0: Stepping into the box, number 15, Jim Edmund.
1: Small state, uh, big takes. This is fantasy baseball special episode number four, I believe. I think so. None other than our most recurring guest and basically best friend, Eric Cross from Fantrax. Welcome back. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thanks for having me. What's up, guys?
0: Not much, man. Welcome back once again. You know. I Remember the first time we had John, we were we were sweating. We we're like, "Yo, I hope this guy thinks we're cool. We know our shit." <laughs> but at this point, I think it's confirmed you like us.
2: And oh yeah, I, we're 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 all buds here. We're all buds.
0: We're all bros. <laughs> bros for life.
3: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: so have you been? How how was your last uh, fantasy baseball season? How, how have you been making out with things?
2: Uh, you know, life's good, man. It's yeah. Last year was just freaking crazy. Just on on all fronts, both like, you know, playing fantasy and writing it. It was such a weird season, but I'm just glad that we're having a somewhat normal season so far. Everything's, you know, fingers crossed going good so far. Minor leagues look a little different, but um, yeah, everything's going good. Nice. How how much baseball have you watched so far this year? Oh, a ton. Uh, Every day I'm watching baseball, whether, whether it's, you know, mostly Red Sox, you know, spring training, but and you know, trying to get as much as I can and, you know, between, you know, doing the dad thing. So, um, it's kind of hard <laughs> Dad life. Usually, yeah. Usually th- th- those night games, you know, I, I can't really turn it on until, you know, fourth inning or so after I put like my, my two kids to bed, but, but yeah, it's watching as much as I can. Cause it's, it's happy to have baseball back and you know, college minors, you know, pros, I just love watching baseball. You watch the college stuff. You, you are you, do you have a team? Like mm. a, a favorite team? Not really. Um, i guess i am a little you know i go to north carolina i suppose because I'm, I'm just a big north carolina guy you know started out as a you know a bas college basketball things so i was a big jordan guy growing up and i was a, he went to north carolina so yeah i guess I, I would lean towards north carolina but there's not like any team where i'm like they lose i'm like ah oh, damn you know i'm gonna get all mad right, about it so it's right. just like watching the games watch the big pitching matchups and just watching baseball in general hell yeah Sorry to dominate early conversation here. If you guys have questions,
1: (laughs) I'm just
3: pumped
0: to see my boy. (laughs) Welcome home, Eric.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, we we're 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 on Zoom, right? So we have limited time. So Mm -hmm. let's just let's just cut right to it. Um, Dynasty rankings. If you have the number one overall pick, Eric Cross, who are you taking?
4: It, uh, you know what he's going to say. You know it, Oliver. That's <laughs> we all <fantastic>. know. <laughs> the oh, my God. know. The
1: people don't oh, know. The people need to this, hear
2: this,
1: it. I am... The people need to hear it. If the
2: people, oh, know. If the people know me, the people know. <laughs> it's uh Well, it's not like a clear cut, but my number one is Juan Soto because he is the safest. Like You can make a case for Acuna or Fernando Tatis Jr. And if you want to go number one there, I will not scoff at it. Those are great players, but... I feel like the safest out of those three is Juan Soto. Like, look like he did last year. Yeah, it was you know forty eight games or forty seven games for him, whatever it was after his little um, COVID bout he dealt with. But he's just so damn good. Like that, like I said, that floor is so high. Where I think even like a you know a down year for him is still like a top twenty five player. You know, and the upside is like you know the closest thing we've seen to Barry Bonds. In the last, you know, since Bonds had that dominant stretch like 2000 to 2005 or whatever it was. So, yeah, I, I got to go one Soto there because it, it's that, that floor, especially an OBP. If it's OBP, there's no question. No question is one Soto. He's the only guy that can do what he can in the power department, run production, and also put up a 450 plus OBP. I mean, I, I don't think last year, like people look at it like, oh, I was, you know, it was a fluke or, you know, it was a shortened season. He He can't do that over a full 162. I would not you know, I won't put it past him. I really wouldn't. He's that damn good. What's your top five? All I wanted, that, that, that's all I wanted to hear.
1: Was just a little Juan Soto love.
2: That's all we you know want, it, right? right? We know yeah, he's just trying I, to
4: fluff his own little pillows over there.
1: <laughs> I'm good for the rest of the night. You guys can carry on. Uh, I have no more questions.
4: <laughs> if if
0: Soto's the number one, then do you have a hard number two between Tatis and Acuna, or no?
2: No, I mean, in my in my rankings right now, I do have Acuna two, then Tatis, and then uh, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout running up the top five. But like I said, it's so close. Like if, if you want to go shortstop because you think you can, you know, get outfielders more later, then you can go shortstop and go Tatis. The shortstop does actually thin out <laughs> in uh, later in drafts, yeah. like, people just think it's deep, but you know, and there are it is deep in general, but. So a lot of those options aren't really intriguing once you get past, like Dansby Swanson, Carlos Correa territory, which is like pick 100, 120 or so. Uh, but I, yeah, I do lean Acuna because I think he's the only player in baseball right now that could go 40, 40 this year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I don't think Tatis steals that much. I think it's that extra little speed that Acuna brings, gives him the sled edge for me.
0: I have a question for you again, another one I keep just talking, but uh, what do you think is the deepest, Position and the shallowest right now.
2: Well, I'm gonna throw catcher out because that's that's the easy yeah. answer for shallow. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's just throw catcher right out the freaking window here. um Shallowest is probably, I mean, in terms of just sheer depth, it might be third base. Like it gets kind of sketchy, you know. E- even like a guy that's going off the board around like you know the 12th or, or 13th guy for third baseman, like a guy like Chris Bryant. You know, look how he's been the last few years. He hasn't really looked good at all. Then you get down to like Miguel Sano territory where it's like, all right, the guy strikes out a million times. Yeah. (laughs) So I think in terms of sheer depth, it might be third base. That's why I've been trying to get, you know, like a Raphael Devers or Anthony Rendon or something like that pretty early or Nolan Arenado. Uh, But second base, second base is two in terms of his overall talent, but there are some sneaky good players late. Like Nick Madrigal is a good player. Nick Solak, Mm Now you know, Andres Jimenez has second base eligibility in Cleveland. So Mm -hmm. there are some sneaky good guys late that third base doesn't have. But, yeah, third base really shallows out. And then uh, for terms of the deepest, you know, outfield this year is just crazy. It's always deep, obviously, but it's really, really deep this year. Like, there are so many outfielders. Like, I look and, you know, I'll be late in my draft. You know, pick 250, 300, you know, 350. And there's, like, I still have uh, so many outfielders in my queue that I like. So it's like, that's why I've been getting a, a few, you know, but from outfield, I'll get a few studs in, in the tops. So I like a lot of the studs there. And then I'll usually kind of wait it out. I'll get my infield in the middle round, get some pitching, and then go back and, and hammer that outfield late because there's so many good options. So the yeah, outfield is super deep this year.
3: So I need to do my annual checkup because uh, I'm the Pete Alonzo guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. I know you three are in the league, but... I'm down to Pete Alonso and Bo Bichette as my third keeper. So I have a lot of faith in Bo Bichette. Do you have that same faith? And is that a, you know, a a decent comparison for a third keeper? Or is it just totally Pete Alonso? What if I told you that Bo Bichette was ranked 10th overall in my dynasty rankings? Whoa! Uh, You're not you're not fooling me. That's why I'm asking the question. (laughs) Yeah, you know. So, I I, I'm kind of the same way. I I love Bo Bichette. I think he can do a lot. It's not like we're in like a roto league. It's it's head to head points, and you know stolen bases are a decent amount, and and like he can just do it all. Yeah, right. And absolutely. I I really frowned upon Pete Alonso last year, and he doesn't deserve it because it was a shortened season. But right. it, he just, for me, he didn't do enough um, in that shortened season. So, yeah, I, I still like Pete Alonso. I think he used to be, you
2: know, this decade, he could be the guy that leads the majors in home runs this decade. He's that got that much power. Right. But, yeah, you, you kind of hit it on the head there. Boba shit, this does it all. You know, when, when I saw him uh, when I was up in, in, Ma- in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, watching him and Vlad and Biggio and all them when they were in double-A – I was just so freaking impressed by like, all around by Boba where I was like, man, like this could be the next Mookie bats. Like I know that's that's lofty, lofty, especially talking to, you know, a bunch of Rhode Islanders, Red Sox things, <laughs> right? Like that, that's that's a lofty freaking a comp right there. But I just saw it, and like he's he's not that big. I like, he's I think he's a little bigger than Mookie, but I think he's only like 5'10, 5'11 or so, about the same weight, maybe a little more. But just the swing, it's just so fluid, diligence. so quick. Oh. He can just get to that. Like, you look at him, you're like, oh, this guy is like a 12 home run hitter. It's for looking at him. Then he'll just right. freaking hit a tank. It's like this guy has that same, like, sneaky power that Mookie has. He can run. He, I think he's quite as fast as Mookie, but he can still run a good good amount, hit for a high average. This is going to be a, an all-around stud for fantasy. So, yeah, I, I love Alonzo still, but, yeah, I would go Bo Bichette over Alonzo. All right.
4: One, one name you mentioned there, which I just want to ask about, um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Obviously, it's Vladdy everyone knows everyone's so hyped about him the last couple of years um ourselves included i know he's he's 24th on your dynasty rankings which feels you're right like if you had to say if you told me that 2 years ago i'd be like what eric cross is crazy he's off his rocker over there but like <laughs> is this is now like the last time in like chance to buy in on a guy like vlad junior before his stock re-rises to to the crazy levels it was before
2: i think so but yet again i said that same thing last year, this time, um, (laughs) no, he, he dropped all that weight this off season. And he's one of those, you know, best shape of his life candidates that you see a dozen of every spring training. (laughs) But you know, that was one of the issues where he was just out of shape and it was affecting him, you know, and I, I follow him on Instagram and every day he was just posting, you know these videos of him working out. It was just like consistently multiple videos every day. I'm like, all right, he's he's getting after it. I'm like, all right, this is this isn't this is good. I'm I'm impressed. I'm encouraged. And but then again, like, is losing 35, 40 pounds gonna make him so he doesn't hit as many ground balls? Like I don't know. Like you know, he's gotta get that launch angle up. Is we we saw like anyone that watched the home run derby saw how much raw power this yeah. dude has. Like he can hit 450 plus foot tanks at ease. But, you know, in games, he hasn't really done that because he's been hitting too many ground balls. So I still think he's going to be really good, right? Is he going to be as good as we were all touting up, you know, two, three years ago? Probably not. You know, I, I think the fact that he had a Hall of Fame father <laughs> played into that a little bit. Not saying he wasn't, you know, good and didn't deserve it. But I think the the hype did get out of control, as we tend to do. You know, we see a player like this. We hype him up too much. I'm guilty of it, too. Definitely am. Um but I think he's still going to be a guy that hits for a high average, plenty of pop. And I think, you know, maybe he's not a top 10 dynasty guy just because that's really hard to do when you don't bring any speed to the table. Just being that four-category guy, you have to really, really, like Albert Pujols, dominate those four yeah. categories, you know, yeah, to be a top 10 dynasty guy. Um, even Pujols added like, you know, five to 10 stolen bases a year. So I don't even think Vlad's going to do. But I still think that he's going to be really, really good. And, you know, look at his ADP this year is like – 55 60 something like that so it's pretty reasonable for what he can bring to the table i don't have many shares of him just because i'm like hey show me first and then i'll i'll buy back in not that i'm out on vlad jr by any means but, but yeah I, I think we're gonna see a uh i think this gonna be the year for vlad i really do Okay. I feel like every
4: league has at least one or two guys that are Vlad guys who are going to oh, yeah. overpay for them oh, yeah, for absolutely. him realistically. So that's what makes it tough for someone who is kind of out, mm. but kind of interested in being in on him. So I'm I'm kind of I fall into that category as well. But um, yeah. No, oh, interesting.
0: I have a question for you, Eric. Yeah. And it's similar to Josh's, but it's between a guy I believe in. Uh, you know what? Just listen. It's Luis Robert, <laughs> Robert, Luis Robert, whatever, or Jose Ramirez. Who would you go with?
2: Oh man, like I gotta go, Jose Ramirez, just because he's shown he's in the league. He's top ten for me. Like, where do I have him? Yeah, I have him seven, uh, but okay. I have Robert at fifteen. I'm a big Robert guy too. Like, I really am. I actually in, in my home keeper league, uh about a year plus. I was like last January, or so I traded Mookie Betts and got back Bo Bichette and a, a draft pick, which I knew I was going to use on Luis Robert so i'm super high on robert as well i gotta go jose ramirez though because like i said he's shown you know the elite production yeah but then again i wouldn't be surprised like if robert can make those adjustments at the plate and stop chasing so many pitches outside the zone and make more consistent contact and just you know i don't th- he doesn't need to hit like 290 just hit like 260 yeah and i think he could be a 30 plus homer guy 30 plus deal like you know, I don't throw those 30-30 comps around too often. I try not to because it's so that's ridiculous, not many players even accomplish that. But he's one of the few in this in this league right now that can do that. And you know, he's one of the few that could probably challenge Acuna in terms of like that 40, 40. Like, if there's any one player that can get up there, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it's gonna be Luis Robert. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if you know when I do my rankings. And, you know, let's fast forward to this time, twenty twenty two. It wouldn't surprise me if Robert was ahead, but you know, Ramirez is just so good, but there's not much around him in Cleveland. Like, he, you know, Lindor's out of town. So I think he takes a little bit of a ding not having him, you know, around him yeah. in the order. But yeah, I, I got to go Ramirez because he, he's just shown it and he's just an all around stud. You know, he's kind of, you know, he was up and down a little bit a couple years ago and had that bad half a season. But outside of that, he's just been an absolute stud.
4: All right, Do we yeah. know
2: where he's hitting in that lineup, by the way, Robert?
4: Cause that's, that's a question too. Right. And obviously yeah. you don't want to, like he's a stud, so he deserves a, a, a spot somewhere, but like, if he leads off, I feel like that is different from him batting sixth or seventh.
2: Right. And he has let off a few times this spring I've seen, but it looks like he's going to be in that six, seven range for the them. That's so okay. stupid.
4: Why, why yeah. are you doing that? Tim Anderson kind of like,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Tim Anderson's con- it, Tim Anderson's weird. Like nothing, you know, as an analyst, you know, you, you dig into the, the metrics and whatnot. And it's like, team Anderson, nothing shows me that he should be as good as he is. It's just, it's weird. Like I, that's why it took so long for me to buy into team Anderson. I'm like, nah, nah, he said, he said, come down, right. He said, uh, you know, the average will drop, but it just doesn't. And it's been two plus years of this production. So I'm just like, all right, he's doing it. I'm not, I can't really explain how he's doing it, but he's doing it. So you gotta, (laughs) You, you can't go off, you know, these metrics all the time and look at actual production, but yeah, Anderson's really good. And, I think Robert could, if he makes those improvements at the plate and gets that OPP up, he could be an option for the leadoff spot, maybe next year, year after that. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to hit down 6-7, but still, 6-7 in the White Sox lineup is pretty damn good. Like, he's going to have, you know, Moncada will be down there in that general. I think Moncada might hit fifth, and uh, Grandal probably It'll, yeah, Madrigal will be down there. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, like he's going to have a lot of guys, good guys, hitting in front of a man after him. So that's not really a bad spot to be. Like six, seven for White Sox is probably better than two thirds of the major leagues. You know, three, four. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's a good, That's how good that lineup is this year.
1: Who is your like when you hear the word overrated or overdrafted? Who comes to mind right now?
2: I'll I'll stick right in this uh the RAL East division Tyler Glasnow is insanely overrated. He gets drafted like a borderline fantasy ace every year. He's had one year with an ERA under 4. Wow. One, he's he, you know the fastball curveball great combination. That curveball is one of the best pitches in baseball, you know, hands down, but he's only pitched over 100 innings once. Uh that was many years ago. He, like I said, he's only had under a four ERA once he has yet to show he has a, any legit third offering every spring. It's like, Oh, he's working on a changeup. Oh, he's working on a splitter, and everyone gets excited. <laughs> like, Oh, there's that third pitch. I'm like, all right, calm down. And then he'll throw his change up 2.4% of the time. And it's absolutely atrocious. So I just don't see it. He's, he can't stay healthy to pitch that many innings that you want from your, you know, n- number one or number two fantasy starter. The ER, he's gonna get a lot of strikeouts, absolutely. So he still still have pretty good value there. I still have him as like a top 30 to 35 pitcher, but I just don't see it until I, I see a legit third offering that he can actually use in games and use more than three percent of the time. I'm not buying in, but everyone seems to think he's a fantasy ace is because oh the curveball is sexy, oh the strikeout rate is sexy. Yeah, they are, you know, but nothing else is. <laughs> could you could you rank these three? Tyler Glass now, Zach
4: Playsak. Um, and Sonny Gray, how would you order those oh, those three? I, I feel like in the same
2: kind of category, right? F- for this year or for Dynasty?
4: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, for this year,
2: for this year, preferably. For this year. Um, yeah. I think they're all really close to my rankings. Gray Greatest had a little bit of a back injury, though, so I, he'll probably put him third now. He would be, oh, you know, without the, without the back injury, no. I'd probably go Gray, Plezak, Glasnow, but now it's, pro- okay. now it's probably Plezak- Glasnow, Gray, because he's greatest in the mist. Looks, looks like the first couple weeks of the season with that back
0: injury.
2: Oh. And oh, that, I've never been a big Sunny Gray. I'm not really big on any of them. Like, please, Zach. I like, you know, I'm not saying you know, I buy a lot of what he was showing last year, but it's just one of those cases where it's like, all right, the ADP is a little too high. Like he's only proven it over what do you get last year? T- nine, ten starts or so. So I'm you like, got some right. bad or some easy matchups in those yeah. starts. If you look at the team-by-team ones, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, when, yeah, when they were combining the centrals, it's like, all right, Minnesota's a good lineup, and the White Sox are a good lineup. But outside of that, like, St. Louis is like, eh, middle of the pack. Milwaukee's middle of the pack. Cincinnati's, eh, a little below that. But then, like, the Tigers are terrible. The Royals are terrible. The Indians' lineup was terrible. Pittsburgh's lineup is a double-A lineup at best. It was like there's so many bad lineups in the set in that you know that combined central division bubble they had, yeah. So it's one of those things like, was it because of that? Was it you know, did he actually break out? Was it because of the division, the opponents? Maybe it's a little bit of both, but yeah, I think Gray might be the you know, safest of the three, and that's saying something because I so said I'm not really high on any of the three to be honest with you. Okay, okay. How, How about up?
0: Blake Snell versus Strasburg?
2: I got to go Snell. Uh, Strasburg's hurt again. Is he? At least, at least he t- yeah, he tweaks up in, I, in his lower half. Um, He called the trainer up yesterday. Oh. Um, I In in general, I love Strasburg's stuff. Like, I think just on, you know, stuff alone, he's a top 10 starter. He, you, when he's on, you see, when he's on, he can go toe-to-toe with anybody. He can yeah. go toe-to-toe with Beaver. He can go toe-to-toe with, you know, Shane, with um Walker Bueller. He can go toe-to-toe with anybody. With Garrett Cole, but he's just not that on all the time just because he's always, it's like he's always that little nagging thing, right? It's like, ah, oh, the shoulders kind of aching on him. You know, all the elbow, what's the, you know, whatever it may be, the back, it's always something going on with him. So, um, I, I guess I gotta go, I gotta go Snell. I see, I like Snell in San Diego. I think they're gonna let him go a little deeper into mm-hmm. games than, than Tampa Bay did. And you know, maybe not, you know, maybe they'll be only another five, 10 innings, but with the starting pitcher landscape these days where you know the 200 inning guys are very few and far between like you got like Garrett Cole I could probably see like Lance Lynn getting that many you know innings to Shane Bieber but most of these guys are going 160 to 180 now so I think Snell can get into that range and you know his ratios are always pretty good and the strikeouts are there and he can get that extra five ten innings extra you know inning or two here and there that he probably wouldn't get in Tampa Bay, with is how they play their matchups and how they use their, their pitchers. Yeah. So I think Snell's got a pretty good value this year,
3: actually. So I, my, my next thing uh, is I want to stay in Tampa, all this Tampa talk and, you know, perking me up a little bit. So the the new service time manipulation, Wanda Franco today, um, are you, are are you about it? Are you happy that he got cut or or what? I'm kind of on the line of, I want the guy to play. They're putting him at third, which I thought was super interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that is theoretically ready. Uh, but it, I think it's just another, you know, service time manipulation, honestly.
2: Yeah, I know. It very well could be. and but you know I'm, I'm not saying i'm happy about it but i'm not surprised by it because i didn't think he'd be up till june or so this year anyway mm. because there's not like a clear opening you know third base kind of can be but there's not like this like gigantic hole in the Rays lineup right they can put they can put yandy diaz over there they can put you know uh, joey wendell over there yeah. so it's not like our um Mike Brosseau over there as well. So it's not like they have this gaping hole and a need for Wander, but I do think he's nearly ready. Like that hit tool. He, he come up and hit, you know, he's, that's, mm-hmm. I'm not debating that. He's here to come up and hit. He's hit everywhere. I think his lowest average at any level is like 318, which is ridiculous. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's like wild. Yeah. Yeah. His like, career average in the minors is like 330 something. Oh um, God. And granted he's, you know, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't played in the high minors, but, you know, he got some time at the alt site last year and and he was looking good everywhere. But with, with him, it's about the power, like the raw power is there like down the road. I think he could be a, you know, 25, 30 home run guy, but he's been a heavy ground ball hitter in the, in the minor league so far, the exit velocities haven't been, you know, they haven't been like super impressive, right. They've been okay. But like you look at Wander Franco, you think, all right, this guy's you know has the high X F losses. Those just haven't been there yet. But granted, he's only he's still like, is he twenty yet? I think he's. I think he just I think turned he twenty. Might have been. I, I think I feel like his birthday's in March. I feel so. I think yeah, I think he just turned twenty, like last week probably.
4: You're right, March first. Oh yeah, wow. okay. Uh,
2: I do that from the from the little bio things. I've I've typed up his date of birth a few times now. Eric, so. did you send him a card? <laughs> Yes, I did. I did. You, you caught me. I sent him a nice little jingle card, uh, but I uh, asked for an autograph. He didn't get back to me, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, that'll be to be continued. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I think just the, what he provides outside of, you know, the high batting average, you know, maybe that's not that the power's not there right away. Maybe it takes him a few years to get up to that 2530 home run power. So you know, I, you know, for fantasy purposes, I've actually been avoiding him. I haven't drafted him anywhere this year. I haven't been dynasty. I have been everywhere in dynasty, obviously. But uh, I just haven't gone after him just because I don't know when he's up and I don't know outside of batting average what he gives you. So, you know, in in leagues, you know, with uh, with weekly fab and he's going to be a, if he wasn't drafted, he's going to be one of those, you know, huge, huge fab bids. I'm going to stay away from it because I don't know. I don't think this would be a huge, like, boom, like a Tatis impact, you know, right away this year. A Juan Soto impact. I just don't quite see that in juan Franco. Okay. Right.
0: Do you see any guys, like, in your mind right now that'll be, like, contributing, you know, not right away, but at some point, like, ready to go, that, that kind of player?
2: Jared Kelnick. I love Jared Kelnick. He's my, he's my number one prospect right now for fantasy over Juan Franco. That's how much I love Jared Kelnick. He is... He's just the whole package. Like he can hit for average. The plate approach is good. The power's there. The speed's there, and just that that attitude, that swagger. He kind of reminds me of Soto a little bit, where he has that. Sorry, like he knows he's good. He's he's not a douchebag, but like he knows he's good, and he he lets that play in his game. Like he's pushing them out in Seattle right now. We have that whole debacle with the former um, the former GM, you know, talking about service time and all that. So I think Seattle's a little pressured right now to get him up early and you know, if they do the service time game with him, it's going to be a PR nightmare. Yeah. So I think there's a chance, you know, he, the little injury he had, you know, kind of puts a wrinkle into it, but yeah. I think he's, I think he's had a push for opening day. And if not, he'll be up early. And he's just one of those guys where for, for fantasy purposes, the guys I look for, for prospects in their, in their initial season are the guys with the good hit tools, right? Like the Wander Franco's and the Andrew Vaughn's Alex, Kirilov, mm-hmm. those types, because, you look at like a good example of going the other way jazz chisholm great power great speed but the hit tool sucks like, yeah so and he struggled you know so i look at kelnick as a guy that could probably hit the ground running he could you know if he gets enough at bat, if he's up by end of april he could be a 20 homer 15 steel guy this year and you know odds on favorite for the al rookie of the year so yeah okay. I, i'm i'm getting kelnick everywhere i can because this is looks like the type of player that could hit the ground running and be one of those big, big rookie, you know, impact players. Sweet.
4: The Mariners low-key have a lot of, like, fun guys in that lineup.
2: Dude, um, they're, they're becoming like my my West Coast team. Like, yeah. I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, and that's never going to change. But <laughs> Seattle's got something cooking. They really do. Like, yeah. They got some uh, fun, don't get, they don't some get, fun they'll players. They'll tell
1: you not to get your hopes up.
2: <laughs> there. led
1: by
4: led by the uh the veteran star mitch hanniger that's just like he's the core of the team oh well, i guess
2: kyle Seeger too but still <laughs> I, I love mitch Haniger. mitch hanniger's really good like he is he
4: is but i mean good a couple Hanager. years ago with um <laughs> <with>
2: uh,
4: <laughs>
0: kalenik though
4: because it's what's the path is he gonna it would be the left fielder is that the the realistic expectation there would they yeah. slide kyle lewis to left or okay oh,
2: yeah, pro pro, he can play center. So you know, I think both Kyle Lewis and Kelnick can play center. You okay. know, I, I don't know how that you know probably the left field is wide open. So I think I think Kelnick does long term does stay in center field, and they'll probably move Lewis to a corner because I think Kelnick is more athletic. They're both pretty solid fielders. I don't think there's a huge gap in terms of their fielding abilities, but. Kelnick does have that little bit extra speed, extra athleticism that'll help him, you know, get more range in center. So, yeah, I do think Kelnick's the long-term center fielder there with, you know, okay. Lewis on one side, Julio Rodriguez on the other side, you know, somewhere in which fits in. That's a really damn good outfield moving yeah. forward.
4: And Taylor Trammell is like a. Yeah. Just like a fun, I don't even know, fourth outfielder that it's like, well, let's see if he's good. He's still obviously young enough. He could be, if he turns himself into something, yeah, that could be a, a, a sneaky. A lot, of, a lot of depth there. A lot of good
2: players out there. Yeah,
0: true. Does like Taylor will play this year? Is, is he like, it's like it's time, man. Let's go.
2: I think there's a chance you see him. I just don't think it's in any, like, significant role. Yeah. I, I think after his struggles in 2019, I, I'm still a Trimble believer. I, I believe in the skills he showed. Again, I think he's just one of those guys that we hyped up a little bit too much, but you know, he's a good athlete, good speed, you know, solid glove, the arms kind of meh, but you know, he and he can get on base, he can work the count, so there's some tools there that can make him an everyday player. I just, you know, don't think he's a star in the making or anything like that, but I think he could be a a regular, but I think they're going to give him this a lot of time in you know double A, triple A this year, wherever whatever level they have him at, just so he can, you know, kind of get his get his footing back, get his swagger back, get that momentum back that he showed pre twenty nineteen. But so maybe you see him for, you know, there's a couple injuries and they need to call him up to start a few games here to you know until the guy comes back from the IL. I think that could be a possibility, but I, I don't think you're gonna be like, all right, Tremel's ready, boom, bring him up, start him every day. I don't <laughs> think we see that until twenty twenty two.
1: Yeah. I have one more question, myself, and then everybody else can probably get one more in. Uh, who, uh, yeah, I was talked about overdrafted and overvalued, but what about someone that is falling in drafts or, uh, you know, a, a sleeper or something like that?
2: Mitch Hanniger is a great one. <laughs> I know we, we already talked <laughs> with him a little bit. Yeah, Mitch Hanniger is a guy um that i really this like this ball
4: sack is intact yes, <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs>
2: very you know it's one of those injuries you you, you read it you're know, like ah like, i think i don't think any guy yeah. on this planet can Ooh. like you know whether they heard it on a podcast or read it on a, on a little blurb there's no guy that didn't make some sort of face right like ah, like <laughs> yeah. like, like ouch, guy. like it freaking hurts so it sounds oh. like it hurts um i don't want that to happen to me but um <laughs> yeah but uh yeah Hannerger's a good one um Gavin Lux out in in Los Angeles. Thanks a really good one. He's going around like pick 250, you know, in that range and I think you know from the signs of it he's going to be the starting second baseman. They've been starting him exclusively at second base and Chris Taylor has been competition. kind of been like, you know, third, short, second, outfield. So I think he's going to be in, like in that Brock Holt super utility role, which is probably where he's best suited. And Gavin Lux is still a very, very good player. Like he was a top five prospect and I would still have him top five. If he was still prospect eligible, he's that good. So I like him to break out this year. And then, you know, in drafts, you know, call me a Homer, but Bobby Dahlbeck, man, like (laughs) Dahlbeck is going after pick 300. I've said time and time again, his swing is perfectly suited for Fenway Park. He pulls the ball and he hits the ball in the air. That means he's going to be peppering the monster, you know, hitting the ball over the monster. With his power, you know, 35 home runs, I don't think it's out of the out of the round possibility this year. I really don't, as long as they play him full time. And, you know, he does strike out a lot, so he could go in funks and I, they, I could see them putting, you know, Chavis in there or whatever. But I think if Dahlbeck hits enough to stay in the lineup every day, he's going to be a huge power source. Um, hitting in that Red Sox lineup. And, you know, that's a pretty good lineup. You know, it's not as good as it has been in a, a few years ago. But, you know, if he's hitting, what, probably sixth or so, I think, you know, behind Devers, behind J.D., behind Verdugo, behind those guys, uh, I, think he could, I think he could be like a 80 to 90 RBI guy as well. So it's not often you can get a 30, 35 home run, 80, 90 RBI guy that late in your draft. So I, I love Dahlbeck this year, too. I'm
4: getting deja vu to two years ago when you um, you told us all in on Pete Alonzo. And not only were you right, but you were very right. And he even outperformed your <laughs> seemingly lofty right. expectations. What did so I say you though? know what? If you're listening at home, pencil in 55 home runs for Bobby Gallback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. If, if you do the Alonzo
2: conversion, I think I – what did I say? 30 – 38, I think. Yeah, yeah. Think yeah had 53. Yeah, yeah, so thirty-eight to fifty-three. <laughs> so yeah, if I say thirty-five for yeah, so you know fifty-plus for Dahlbeck this okay, year. Okay, okay, book it. Not bad. Locking lock in. <laughs> little
0: any little. any uh, thoughts on Garrett Hampson this year? Any uh?
4: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see him on Twitter about Garrett Hampson. That's one thing I know for sure. That's a story <laughs> as told
2: as old as time itself. I'm trying to get Garrett Hampson on my po- one of my podcasts. Oh That'd yes, but so um, cool. we're, working on that. But uh, man, like Colorado. Like, I think I'm, I'm, I'm alone on the Garrett Hampson Hill now. There are there's some others with me, but they've well, jumped ship or at least are like half, halfway out the door. I, I still think he's going to be a, a pretty solid fantasy player. He just needs the opportunity. And I think this might be the year. He's been getting a lot of starts in center field this spring. I know I'm, I'm going to be hurt by this. And it's like <laughs> you go back to the ex-girlfriend, you know, over and over again, and he just, and she just keeps breaking your heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing with Garrett Hampson. he was breaking my heart. It's mostly of the Rockies. It's not him. It's the Rockies that break my it's heart, but now, you know, with, uh, uh, Rogers is hurt. You know, he, he, was looking like he was gonna be the starting second baseman, but you know, he pulled up the other day, you know, trying to steal second. That, that didn't look good. Um, I think he strained his hamstring. So this, I think this opens the door where between maybe second base and center field, I think Hampson's is going to be close to an everyday player this year than against the Rockies. But I'm I'm still in. Like, and when when he's a top 100 fantasy player down the road, I can you know pound my chest and you know <laughs> you know take one that that, that was one I got right. But you know I probably probably gonna be wrong on that one. But yeah, I'm still in. So if you, if you can get him late you know, the speed he can provide is, is valuable and enough to take a shot on him if he gets that playing time. So, and his, and his ADP is like late 200s, I think for what I've been seeing. So
4: it's worth yeah. a shot. if you want him, you can get
2: him. Yeah. Right. And, and if it's, you know it doesn't work out, did you you know really invest much to get him? No, not really. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about all the time we have. Our meeting is about to close. We want to thank you again for coming on. Um, pro- I think got to be the most recurring guest at this point. So, uh, Definitely. Probably. Yeah. So yeah. Th- thanks again. And. And we'll where can certainly... we find you,
4: Aaron? In terms of, of uh social and shit like that, is it Aircross Zero Four? Is it? Do I have it is. Up, yeah. Up my head? Wow. Air- that is
2: creepy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Aircross. Yeah. On uh, Twitter, Aircross Zero Four. Know, all my written work. You know, hq.com uh, I got two podcasts: the Fantrax Toolshed and the Five Tool Pods. So check those out. And yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always fun talking to you boys. And you know, you're my fellow New Englanders. We got, us, we got to we gotta stick together here. You know, you guys yeah. are down in Rhode Island, me up in Maine. So we're kind of holding down the top end, the bottom end of the uh, the region. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's always fun talking to you guys. I'll, anytime you want me on, I'll be back.
0: Well, thank you, Eric. You're the man. Appreciate thank it.
2: Thanks, right, guys. Thank you so much. That. All right. See,
0: See you guys. Peace. All right. I just got a minute today. To go and spin a bag. today. Yeah. To spin a